Oh, hallelujah. Oh, what an awesome sense of the Lord today. Why, it's crying, joyful, receiving forgiveness, giving forgiveness, being full of the Lord, enjoying his presence, wanting the passion. I just want to just say that, you know that song, We Exalt You, or I Exalt Thee? Wow. I remember the first time I ever heard that song. It was um, a place called Royal Week. And uh, we're in the tent. We were baby, baby Christians. We've been Christians about, I don't know. You and Denise. Denise and I, sorry. My wife and I, Denise. Uh, We were baby Christians. Must have been Christians about six months or so. And I walked into this tent, and we were desperate and hungry for the Lord. And I watched this woman, who was only a young woman, singing. And this was one of the songs. Because I'd not heard the song. She was lost in praise and wonder. And I just got caught up in the just the presence of the Lord. And Royal Week was really quite special because there are a couple of other things. Who's heard of Royal Week, by the way? Anybody heard of Royal Week? Royal Week, yeah, it was in Cornwall. And they only held two of them. But um, Clive Calver, uh, who's heard of Clive Calver, ran Royal Week. And um, there are two things about it. One is that we didn't really, I don't know why, it just makes me quite emotional, but... We found out during all week that Denise was pregnant with our second daughter. That was just amazing, really. It was just the wonder of the Lord. And um, it was the first time I'd heard mention of Smith Wigglesworth. I'd never heard of Smith Wigglesworth until then. We were baby Christians. And I thought, I need to read about this man and, and study him. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, has that man influenced our lives and my life. God, I've been to his grave, knelt on it, and receive the blessing, you know, that's scriptural, that's what they did with the bones of Elijah. And, and oh, that song, We Exalt You, do you want to just do that forever? Yeah. Do you want to do that forever? And we will. I want to be a pillar in the temple of my God, Philadelphian Church. You know, that's what I want to do. Oh, hallelujah. When I came in this morning, bless you, Sheila. Bless you, Sheila. So I just came in and she started talking about the blood of the Lamb. My goodness me, did I feel the presence of the Lord this morning and the heaviness in his presence and his goodness and there's just a wonderful sense of heaven. It's incredible and it just reminded me of what I was reading last night, Charles Finney, probably one of the most mighty revivalists the American nation has ever seen. Boy, do we need to see Charles Finney anointing here. He was on the east coast of America mainly, you know, and uh, New York City, up and down the East Coast. The revival of the 1857 to 1859, it was, was much more on the East Coast than on the West Coast. But ships 150 miles out to sea. You can't make this up, you know. Tell Jeremy Corbyn this, yeah? Tell Jeremy Corbyn this. 150 miles out to sea. People were smitten with conviction of sin and a fear of the Lord and the holiness and the power of God and were on the floor and on the deck of that ship under his power getting saved 150 miles away. The ships would come into New York, they'd be calling for the ministers saying, please help us. That's revival. Same thing the Welsh revival in Exactly. And you know, that revival, and this is interesting, hit Northern Ireland. That revival, some ministers from Northern Ireland heard about Charles Finney sailed over. You don't get on a plane these day, those days and fly there for five hours. You get on a ship and it takes you weeks, yeah? It takes you weeks. This was before the days of steam. And they got a touch of it and they came back and it hit the districts of Northern Ireland. You know, there were people in the fields, there'd just be conviction of sin and screaming out, people in torment for days crying out to God. You really need to know you know God, don't you? If you cry out for days and you meet God, yeah? Wow! And it was, you know, they'd have in the weaving looms, uh, the, the, the whole factories would fall under the conviction of sin and, get, and, and repent. And you know, nobody was preaching. This was the sovereign move of God. And then it hit Belfast. Can you imagine that with all the sectarian stuff that's gone on for decades there and there's history there. But, you know, 100,000 people got saved in that revival in 1859. You know, it spread like wildfire. Bushfire. Bushfire. That's why what Ginny said is right. 
you know, the Lord's on our side. It's 150 years for this year. That's right, 1859, that revival. 1859. It's just awesome, you know. This is the power of God. And do you know what you need? Prayer. Intercessory prayer. And just as I was coming in this morning and talking to Sheila, we experienced his power, I thought, Lord, this is nothing made up. This is nothing to do with us. This is nothing to do with psyched up flesh. This is to do with the Spirit of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. This is to do with Him. Yes. I, I can't express it. I, I can't explain it, but there's something undefinable that we can define when we meet it. Yes and meet him, and the love, and the presence, and the healing, and the sense of eternity, and the knowing of being his glory forever, yeah. is beyond description. Yeah. There's something special, we talk about 80, there's something special about 80, it's twice times 40. I've always thought that living to 80, there's something, something, something anointing about it. You know, I remember listening to Derek Prince, and I'll talk about him in a minute, hitting 80, there was something about the anointing in that man. Because it's twice 40, you've been twice around the block, you've been tested in the wilderness twice over. And therefore you have authority to speak the word of God. Amen? So there's something, you know, we live in an age where it's all about youth. Let me tell you that, you know, being a Christian is about going from one degree of glory to another. Yes. It's about the privilege of getting older in him. Yes. Is that not right? You know, I, it is. And men and women, we need our elder generation. We need them. They are the, you are, we are the pillars of the church. We are, actually. That's not boastful, that's scriptural. You know, I, I think Andy mentioned this morning, Caleb was 80, feeling like he was 20. And what did Caleb say? We can overcome. Yeah, the Joshua anointed. We can overcome. Don't fear the giants. And boy, are we not having to fear the giants, whatever that means. But you know, yeah, 80, be blessed, receive it, take it. Come on, let's live. We're going to live forever, but let's welcome 80. The 80-year-olds. We thank you, Lord, for the 80-year-old incessant. Wow, there we go. So 80, there's some, a double anointing. I really believe it. Their anointing's going to go up double-fold. It's going to go up double-fold. It really is. Something incredible about it. So we, we live in, in, in an amazing time. And you know where, where good and evil is rising at the same time? It's, it's alluding to uh, Matthew 13, in a sense, about the the parable of the wheat and the tares, it's all coming up at the same time. And I am going to speak against the liberal left, I tell you. That's a proclamation. Because they don't know what they're talking about. They're actually lost. They think they've got it. You know, they are tolerant of everything except truth. And you know, it, it's, it's time we actually, in the power of God and the Spirit of God, we rise up. I've been doing a lot That's of right. research about the liberal left. I'm not going to talk about that so much today, but it is horrifying. It is more terrifying than I thought it was, actually. Wow. Let me tell you one story. I might as well. Tell you one story. There's a woman in 1960... You come from the States, right? Glad to see you in England. <laughs> and we thank the Lord. Yeah? Huh? Yeah, I mean, there's something... I love the States. I've been there many times. I, I absolutely love the States. You, you may know this story. There's a woman called Madeline Murray. She was the founder of American Atheist Association. Okay? 1962, we're going to. So she, her son, was read the Bible in school every morning, like every American school had and had done for 170 years. She hated everything to do with religion, this woman. Okay? So she decided she would do something about it in a way that would bypass democracy. This is where America really needs to understand this. Okay? And this is what's happened in America, is a bypassing of democracy. So what she did is she used her 14-year-old son as a plaintiff in court 
to say that there's uh, infringements of her rights as an individual that her son be read the Bible in school every day. Now, initially, these were defeated by the lower Supreme Courts. And there were some very sensible judges who wrote very sensible things. But it went, in the end, to the Supreme Courts. that right? In America, the highest court in the land, which is a politically appointed system. There's no voting as such in this system. It's politically appointed. And there are eight judges on this court. Six of them at this time in the early 60s were liberal lefties. Okay? And she went there, and with a stroke of a pen, these judges changed the American Constitution like that. Turned it on its head. Turned what the founding fathers, and particularly the Pilgrim Fathers, had said about what they wanted in the States, about religious freedom, twisted it, twisted the the word, and brought out and banned (coughs) reading of the Bible in, 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 in schools. Changed the life of America. It was a key moment in the States. And this woman, she tore up a Bible on television in the front of millions. We talk about heaven and hell. I shake when I think about that. That's not the end of the story. Her son, who was the plaintiff, guess what happened to him? He got saved, sovereignly, by the power of God in 1980. Wrote several books, become a firebrand for the Lord. His mother said some terrible things about him. She said she had committed postnatal abortion on him and that no human forgiveness was available to forgive what he'd done. She ended up getting murdered by one of her own followers. That was judgment. So that is just an example, and you know we can go through a lot, of how the liberal lefties, and I'm going to call them liberal lefties, are rising up. They are anti-democratic, let me tell you, They don't care about democracy. They're anti-family. They don't care about the family, which is what the book is based on. The the nuclear family is the success behind our social structures. And indeed, the rise of Christianity is linked to that. And And the foundations of the West are all based on that. And they are out to smash the family. They are anti God. Most of all, they are anti Israel. They don't care. All they want is anarchy. They have no plan B, actually. There is no plan. There's no constructive planning. There's only destructive planning. Because they don't know what's going to replace it. And we have to be aware of this huge spiritual battle that is going on. And how we're going to pray it through. And we have to be aware of what is happening out there. And we have to be ready because, boy, we are going to be in the end. We're in the end times, but we're going to be in the final few years very, very, very soon. And so the challenge is, is how are we going to be ready for it? Now, I think there's a spiritual understanding that we need to have. And it's called the prayer of Jabez. Who's heard of the prayer of Jabez, by the way? Wow! That's an awesome thing. So... Huh? It did. Now, I am talking about the prayer of Jabez because my lovely wife, Denise, has told me to. So, like all good husbands. But, you know, this is an incredible prayer. I'm going to read it out to you. Jabez, this is 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 to 10. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. So what was his request? Blessing, God granted it. Enlarge my territory, God granted it. Let your hand be with me, God granted it. Keep me from harm, God granted it. And so that I'll be free from pain. God granted it. We need to take a handle on this and break it down. Now what's interesting is, 
that this Jabez, this guy Jabez, if you look at the first nine chapters of Chronicles, you've got about 500 names in those nine chapters. Okay? In this chapter, all right, which is uh, uh, chapter four, by the time you get to verse nine, you've gone through 40 names. All of them are just named. Boom, 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 boom. Suddenly you hit Jabez. And there's two verses about Jabez. And then it goes on, just name after name after name after name. Jabez comes, something about Jabez. Now the word Jabez is very interesting. Names have meaning, don't they? My name is Ian. Does anyone know what Ian means? It's actually Greek, uh, it's Greek. it is Greek, Ian. You spell it Greek, in Ian in Greek, Ian. And it's John in English. Know what Ian and John mean? God is our righteousness. So every time someone calls my, and I feel it, let me tell you, I feel it. When someone goes Ian to me, they're saying God is my righteousness. Do you see the blessing that comes from that? Do you see that there's, t- there's life in that? You know, the power of words is so important. You know, every time, I can tell you, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, when I talk to patients and I say, bless you, and I make a point of being right optimistically, not, I, not in the wrong way, because I have to be honest, but bless you, they always go, God, you've made me feel so much better. Don't we all know that when people speak life into us, we feel so much better, don't we? So our names have meaning, yeah? Jabez's name was pain. That's what Jabez means. He was, you know, his mother gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez clearly understood that. Jacob, by the way, another famous, you know, that means grasp. Because what did he do? Jacob grasped the heel of Esau. What Esau did is very interesting, by the way, but I may touch that. So Jabez means pain, and, but God, it says in Scripture that Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. And we'll dissect that a bit. But let's look at the prayer. It said, you know, Jabez says, oh God, that you would bless me. In other words, there's a lot of stuff here. But it means that Jabez, I can cry out to God and just go, bless me. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Bless me. And what, what's blessing? What, 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 does, what, what, what is blessing? Well, it's the nature of God to pour out his goodness on us, isn't it? We learn that time after time, that, that God wants to pour his goodness upon us. Now, he's not going to pour goodness upon sin, is he? That's not going to happen, but he's going to pour his goodness upon us, and that we can expect his goodness. You know, it says in, in Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And you know, one of the things is picking up on what Ginny said that I've been thinking a lot about recently is heaven and hell. And I think, Andy, I hear, interesting, I bought a book um, by, I've forgotten her name now, Walters, I think it is, Visions of Hell. I've just received it last week. I've just glimpsed into it. It's terrifying. It's a woman. It's it's sold over a million copies. World bestseller. Baxter. That's it. What, What did I say? Baxter. It's Baxter. So over a million copies this book has sold. And the reality is, heaven and hell really exist. I had a a really, I had a massive encouragement this week. I was driving on the way to work, and uh, I only work two days a week now, I'm, you know, semi-retired. And um, my phone went, bing! And I couldn't answer it because being a good boy, I was driving the car and I thought I shouldn't look at the text that came through. Two minutes later, it went, bing! And I actually drew up her some lights, and the lights were red. And I took the phone out, and I looked at my text. <laughs> and the text said, worse this equivalent, Hi, Ian. Long time no here. 
I've been through a torrid time this year. It's been absolutely awful. But I found God. And I cannot tell you the joy and the blessing that is currently in my life. Hallelujah. I'm off to a church this weekend. I can't wait, blah, blah, blah. So the person who uh, texted me this was a woman that I'd known for, uh, and now I've known her for, for 17, 15, 16 years. I worked with her. And um, the first time I met her, don't know why, but I socked her the gospel. And she was just, didn't want to know. Did not want to know. We ended up that she worked very closely with me for about four years uh, very se- in a very senior position. And um, I drip fed her the gospel for four years. And one thing that always really made her really quite upset was I used to say, you know, the Bible is literal. It is literally true. Everything in the Bible is literally true. She would not have it. Would not have it. But yet always came back for more. She defended me on one particular occasion in an incredible way. Incredible way. Without me knowing. But she later told me. And... um, she then went to another job, and uh, I, I haven't seen her for about five years, and she got drip-fed by another person, and she kept saying to this person, you're just like Ian. You keep drip-feeding. And she went through, as she says, anyway, she ended up getting saved, and she said to me, I rang her this week, I rang her that night, and uh, she said, Ian, I remember the things you said to me, and she said, you know, I believe the Bible is literally true. <laughs> literally true. I mean, isn't it incredible? It's shot my faith through the roof, you know. Because I said to her, I said, how did you get saved? And she said to me, it was drip feeding. It drip fed and drip fed and drip fed. And you know, the thing about what's so awesome about being a Christian is you don't have to try. You just have to be available. And this desire in you, I love sharing the gospel, I love witnessing, I just love it, it kind of, you know. But we have to be careful now, you know, I used to tell patients in outpatients the the, the gospel. I don't do that anymore. I'd be out on my ear within 24 hours. That's the reality. So we have to find different ways, don't we? Of being, of doing it, and and you know that's part of I think the challenge. But you know the fact is that, as Ginny said, you know, if you are chosen, you are chosen. Do you know what I mean? It, it's absolutely remarkable, and I think we're all called to, to witness in different ways. You see, we're all called to witness, but we're not necessarily called to evangelise. That's a gift, I think, and and I have been out on the streets, if I'm honest. I've not, I've even had people, you know, young people, you know, they get other young people from, I can remember, barbers, and we were praying for them and saying, do you feel the power of God, you know, and yeah, they were feeling it. It it was really great and really awesome, but I always found I was quite intimidated (laughs) for whatever reason. That's the fear of man. I'm sorry, I repent. (laughs) But, you know, I I love witnessing, and I I witness in my way, and you're witnessing your way, but what an encouragement, isn't it? You, you just don't know the fruit until you get to heaven. I have another story, actually, about a woman that I told the gospel to. Men are much harder to tell the gospel to, I've found, over the years. I have to absolutely hammer them. That's been my technique. Just through the eyes, you know, bang, with a word of truth. It's the only way I can hit a man. It's the only way. But uh, I shared the gospel with this particular woman. She was a drug rep. And I, I, for some reason, I absolutely blasted her with it. Absolutely blasted. And I thought, she'll never come to see me again. So she didn't. About five years went by, and I noticed her name in my diary to come and visit me, because she was a drug rep, and that's what they do. They come and visit you as a doctor. And I thought, cool, she's brave. <laughs> so she came to me, she's a very professional woman, Gave me all the spiel about all the stuff, you know, and I was going, yes, and I was continually thinking, God, wow, how are you doing it? Anyway, 
She got to the end and she said, just to let you know, I became a Christian two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago. And she, and she said to me, when I last saw you, you gave me the gospel. And this is what I still find this to be. She said, I went back to my car and I shook for two hours. <laughs> and then she just met Christian after Christian. You know? You just bump into them, don't you? We've all got a part to play. This is an encouragement. I want to encourage you this morning. Because you've all got destiny, haven't you? You may have heard this story, and I apologise, but it's an amazing story. Because we just don't know what fruit we build up in heaven. Do you know? And that's another thing, by the way. Make sure you receive all the blessings that God has got for you. You know, because when we go to heaven, we don't want to go into that room with that little box which has got a ribbon on and your name on it and you open the box and in it is written all the blessings you didn't ask for. That's why the prayer of Jabez is so important. You pray for the blessing of God. You don't ask for what blessing, you pray for the blessing because when the blessing comes he'll pour out on you what he wants to do and it's his will and his motivation is driving your life that releases your destiny. And do you know we're all equal before the Lord? We all have different destinies, but we're all equal. You're as loved by God as Smith Wigglesworth was. Or Charles Finney. It's true. So this famous evangelist, he was um, well known around the world. He bumped into a guy who was another evangelist. You may, some of you may recognise this story. I think Andy knows this story. And this evangelist had seen hundreds of thousands saved. And he said, oh, how did you get saved? He said, funny you should say that. He said, I was uh, walking down a street called George Street in Sydney, Australia, and a man came up to me, gave me a tract and said, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? That's all he said. And this uh, person I'm talking about went on, and over a period of two weeks, bumped into person after person after person, who had got saved, and this was all around the world, by a man on George Street in Sydney, Australia, who put a little pamphlet into their hands and went, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? That's all he said. So this guy was really impressed, and he found himself in Sydney, Australia. He said, I've got to go and seek this guy out. So he was staying with some pastors and said, have you ever heard of a guy called... And um, the pastor said, yes, I'll take you to see him. And this man was in his 70s by now, and he went into his flat, it was an only little flat, and he was very frail, very old. And this um, evangelist uh, went to see him and said, um, you know, have you had any, any feedback from what you've done? He said, I've never had any feedback, ever, about what I've done. And he said, let me tell you, your ministry has saved hundreds of thousands of souls over the last 20, 30 years. And up to that moment, this guy who'd stood on George Street, he was a businessman actually, in Sydney, Australia, had done this every Saturday for 20, 25 years and had never, ever had any feedback and had had many, many, many rejections. And this little old man cried and wept as he heard the fruit of his ministry over 25 years. And he went to glory a couple of weeks later. Do you see the importance? You know, it's not standing up on a stage and thinking you're being, got the massive anointing. You know, you think of those two little sisters in the Isle of Lewis. You know, they were in there, you know, Peggy and Elizabeth, they, they were in their late 80s. One was blind and one was bent over, crippled with arthritis, but they knew revival was coming. And they prayed for it and they saw it. And yet they're famous around the world. They never saw it, they never sought for it. Do you see what I mean? We've got a dream big. We've got a, when we pray for the blessing of God, we've got to go big. I've always said throughout my life, and this applied in my work, by the way, in my work, and I saw this, literally saw this. 
If you aim for one mile, you'll only get to 10. If you aim for 10, if you aim for 100, you'll get to 10. If you aim for 1,000, you'll get 100. If you aim for 10,000, you'll, you'll get 1,000. If you aim for a million, you'll get 100,000. Do you get the picture? You've got to aim big. You've got to think big. Because nothing is impossible with God. You see, when Jabez prayed for the blessing, it was nothing to do with his own strength. If you do it in your own strength, you will miserably fail. Because God will give his glory to no other. He will only give it. It's only for himself. And he'll use you as a vessel to his glory. Isn't that wonderful? So what it means is it releases us. Don't you think that's freeing? It's, it's releasing. When, when I think I don't have to force myself into doing anything because God's got his destiny written on my, on my life, providing I make myself available, yeah, available, yeah, I achieve my destiny and glory and the, and the wonder of the blessing. It's being obedient. So to receive the blessing... You need obedience. And there are times in your life where God will speak to you and it will be incredibly challenging. And I've had this. I tell you, there been times in my life where I have shouted and screamed at people, literally, literally, yeah? Just didn't want to know. But God was on my case. God was on my back would not let go. He's like a limpet. You know, he just won't let go. Just won't. And thank God he doesn't, is all I can say. Thank God he doesn't. Are you available to God? Are you available? Yes. Are you wanting to do what God... What did, what's the last thing that God said to you? Yeah? What was the last thing that God spoke? And have you obeyed? Yeah? Have you obeyed? I want to ask you. Have you obeyed? Yes. You know, I, I'm just going to pick up what Ginny said. B because the reality, and, and you are so right, Ginny, I was thinking about this myself over several weeks. There seem to be little moments where, where people have a choice of life or death. Yeah. Literally. Literally. And you won't recognise the moment. That's what's so terrifying. This is what I mean about Jacob and Esau. You see what Jacob did to Esau. Esau was starving hungry, and for the sake of a flipping meal, he had no insight, no understanding, no depths of feeling for the greater destiny that God had for him. Gave away his inheritance for a meal. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But you see, the thing is, you can do it. You know, the terrifying side of giving someone the gospel, for me, is the reality that there's a responsibility for the person receiving it. And the triteness with which some people refuse it terrifies me. Can I tell you that? It terrifies me. I witnessed to another man, a man, and I held nothing back. And I witnessed to him quite a few times. I can remember, and this is going back 25 years or more, 20, probably at 20, I can remember the last time I witnessed to him. It was the last time I saw him, because he dropped dead shortly afterwards. You know, it terrifies me. I, I can tell you. You know, it, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Moody, I think, who said every Christian should be dangled over hell. Because, have you ever experienced hell? Sorry? Booth. So, you know, it's terrifying. When I was baptised in the Spirit, the Lord showed me hell first. I tell you, man, you don't want to go there. It really is everything that we read about. And you see, this is another thing about the progressives. The emerging church. They tell you there's no such thing as hell. How can a loving God have a hell? Honestly, what nonsense. 
What a lie of the devil. It's awful. It makes me cringe. You know, Christians have publicly stated that on national or even more television. It's terrifying. It's worse for them than it is for the people they're announcing it to because there are levels of hell. And you know where hell ends up, by the way, don't you? The lake of fire. Three things get, get thrown into the lake of fire. You know, these things exist. You know, I, I'm reminded, I think, Andy, you reminded me, or, or Heidi, you reminded me last week of um, the book written, Beyond, Visions Beyond the Veil, written by um, the grandfather to Roland Baker of Iris Ministries in Mozambique. His grandfather wrote that. What inheritance that, that couple have got, haven't they, yeah? What an inheritance. Those kids, they'd never had any scriptural theology given to them. They had a sovereign meeting with God. They were taken in the spirit to heaven and hell. They met people in hell that they had never read about in the Bible. They met Goliath in hell. Who's this bloke Goliath? They met people in heaven, David, all these people. You know, it's real. Absolutely real. So does that not give us an urgency to hear the Lord? You know, when blessing comes, there are no coincidences in the Lord. You know, and it's wonderful. Uh, you know, it's wonderful. Heidi and um, Andy. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> we went for a walk in the Lake District. Oh, did we? Okay, we, we climbed Scarfell Pike. There and back's a long walk. Within about 20 minutes, we bump into someone. Yeah? Tony. Which I pray he comes here, by the way. Oh, hi. Who are you? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. What are you doing here? I've come here to find God. That's exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. About 23-year-old. Divine coincidence, isn't it? You know? Ordained of God. You know, you don't... You know, we do... Oh, I love it! Don't you? I love it. I don't even have to try. Just make myself available. Yeah, he did. That's the other thing. He stayed with us all day and he heard it all. He heard it all. He took our phone numbers and everything. Yeah? Do you you see? It's just, you know, providing you stay in the will of the Lord. Are you in the will of the Lord? You know, when I got my job, I, I'm sorry if I... I'm, I think personal testimony is quite important. It's helped. You know, I, um, I was at Spring Harvest, okay? I was at Spring Harvest. And I, I was 33, young Christian, and uh, I'd got an interview for a job in London. And I'd been really wondering what to do. And I'd been very blessed of the Lord. I'd got my exams early. I was young. I'd even wondered whether I should become an Anglican minister. Wow. Honestly. You know, that I've, I've, I've done it. You know, should I just give up medicine? <clears throat> and anyway, I'd got this job interview in the middle of spring harvest, which was, we were in Scarborough. And my interview was in London. And at that stage, because of things going on in my life, I was quite anxious about being on my own and, and travelling on my own. But anyway, I ended up on the train sitting next to the Christian that gave the testimony, her testimony before thousands at Spring Harvest the night before. You can't make it up, can you? You lit crowded train, one seat, one seat empty, and I sat in it and I recognised, and we talked about the Lord. Yeah? Before that, the night before, the evening before... The day before, sorry, I was walking into my chalet in Spring Harvest and God literally spoke to me and said, you will get the job tomorrow. It was like that. It was as clear as that. Destiny. I went to that job. I stayed with another Christian mate in London that night and he said, you seem to have so much peace. So much peace. I didn't say, what exactly, you know. Now I was, the competition I can tell you was tough. In, in that, that day. A lot of people going for the job. And I was given the job. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it was God. 
So what helped me, Ginny's going to love the next bit, by the way, uh, what helped me for, th for the 30 years I was in that job was I knew that I was in the right job, ordained by God. And when I first worked there, guess where I was? My patience, okay, I absolutely love this. I felt it was such an honour, and I mean that from the depth of my heart. It was my biggest patient group, was the biggest Jewish population in Europe at the time. Gants Hill in London. I had thousands of patients and I was able to serve and I, before the Lord said, now Lord, it was a pleasure to serve the Jews and them. It was, it was awesome. What a privilege and I just thank God for it. And you know, one of my patients that I had, I retired from that job two years ago, one of the, not, I won't say the last patient, one of the last patients I saw was a 93 or 94 year old Jew. He knew I was a Christian. He was, he, he was dumbfounded I took an interest in him, took an interest in the Jews, that I loved Israel, that I loved the Jews. His parents died in Auschwitz. He saw Kristallnacht. He saw his brother taken away in Kristallnacht and never saw him again. And at the age of 93, he was weeping in front of me. You know, there's a deep, deep hurt in the Jewish people about that. Do you know, it, it's beyond understanding. I just love them. Lord, I love them and I thank you for them. Wonderful, your people, Lord. And we pray for your revelation to them soon. I just love the Jews. I love them. Such a privilege. My friends used to call me my Jewish, you know, my you know, because I had so many patients who were Jews. And I, I had even recently, I, I, I can't, you know, they're still patients, but I had some lovely families, even now, two years ago, whole family, because I had a special need. Anyway, I can't, uh, I have to be discreet, but it, it's just, just awesome, awesome! And that's the blessing, my goodness me, that's just the blessing, that's just the first part of his prayer. Do you see what I'm trying to express? And the fact that obedience is tied up to it. You know, and, and there is a cost. You know, because we all want to be blessed, but the way of the cross is the way of the cross. It's counting ourselves daily dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Yeah? It is taking our cross daily. That is the other side. So we no longer belong to us, thank the Lord. We are offered to him as slaves of righteousness, objects of his mercy, presented to him. We, we sang it, holy incense, the prayers of the saints going up before the Lord, and it blesses and pleases the Lord to receive our prayers that he may pour out upon us wave after wave after wave of his blessing to see his purposes accomplished through you and me to the ends of the earth to see the mightiest move of god that the nations have ever seen to see things that are unspeakable and unbelievable but true within him to see the supernatural beyond comprehension in you through you and me because we are people chosen for such a time as this, and we will not die but live, and will proclaim the works of the Lord. Amen? 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 Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is a time of holiness, you know. That we are holy, are we not? Holiness is set apart for God. That's... That is the main word God has given to me through my life, okay? There are two things I will always, always, always emphasise because this is what God has revealed to me. And, Lord, and, and the Lord's had to work, you know, I want to be honest, I, I, I've been, you know, in a difficult place, difficult places. The Lord's had to really screw me down. And you know, and the Lord has used Andy and Heidi, to whom I'm incredibly grateful to, and the blessing of this church. I want to thank you all. I really do. You're awesome. Absolutely awesome. Awesome beyond words. And the Lord's going to use you. 
The Lord's going to bless you. The presence of God in this place, you know. The two things that the Lord has, has, has really spoken to me about, the, about personally is the holiness of God and the blood of Jesus. Isn't that right, Sheila? The blood of the Lamb. We need to plead the blood. We were saying it, weren't we, Sheila? We need to plead the blood. You know one of the best books I've ever read? Benny Hinn on the blood of Jesus. If you haven't read it, read it. The blood of Jesus. It's all about the blood. And he, he humbly says in this book that most of that is not his own thinking. It's, it's another book that he's read it out of, which I also, I think, ended up, I don't want to exaggerate, end up buying. So, you know, when we quote people, we have to be honest, don't we? We have to be real and say, this is not my original thinking, this is this person's original thinking. So, if you've got sin, you know, we've all, we all sin, yeah? We all fail all the time, do we not? I fail. I have to apologise and repent frequently. You know, I've had things this week that have, you know, quite deeply upset me. I've had to repent. Just being real, I'm human. But I want to have passion for the Lord. If you keep short accounts with God, boy, will he bless you. And boy, will he keep you. Talking about enlarging territory. You know, Jabez prayed for enlarging territory. It's, it's scriptural. He wants to enlarge your territory. No question. It's the blessing of God. Doesn't, no, he doesn't say in the prayer what his territory is. So I can apply it personally. You know, your territory may be your work. It may be your business. It may be your character. It may be the way you serve. It, it may be the way you work. It may be the way that you... You know, it can be anything. You, do you hear what I'm saying? And, and the Lord, if we pray this in the right spirit, with the spirit man, this is another thing that I was learning this morning, the Lord was showing, is praise in the spirit, do not praise in the soul. We all know that, don't we? So important to connect with the spirit man. The spirit man, deep in here, yeah? You know, you can, you can do everything in the soul and it's all soulish and it withers away and falls and it burns up. And Do you know what I mean? You've got to be in the spirit. In the spirit. You know? And when you prophesy, you prophesy in the spirit. You don't prophesy in the soul. When someone prophesies to me and I've never met them before, I actually pray protection. <laughs> I do, because I think, I don't know you, but I'll take it later and I'll think about it. And Do you know what? You know? I, I, oh no, I'm not going to say, what was it? no. There are things that are right to say and wrong to say. But God wants to enlarge your territory. You're never too, you know, you're never too, one of the great things about growing older is, it's just one degree of glory to another, he wants to enlarge your territory, Period. Everything for the Lord. Everything for the Lord. We've got to be given over to the Lord. God's will is to bless and he has wonderful, unlimited goodness. You know, it says in Proverbs, the blessings of the Lord bring wealth and he adds no trouble to it. Isn't that amazing? I just feel the Lord saying I should stop. And I... Oh yeah, I've got part two in two weeks. I have got a part two and I know what I'm going to be sharing on. But I just feel deep in my spirit that there is an anointing here. Unless, you know, you are wonderful people. Do you know that? Dearly blessed and loved. And, you know, please do honour Andy and Heidi. This is not a setup. what I'm saying. You know, they are totally sold out for God. They've laid down everything for God. And, of course... Your path is not their path, but they are called to serve you and minister to enable you to fulfil your destinies. And there's a cost to that. You know, remember them in your prayers. Remember, you know, their needs. 
You know, we all have needs. We need to remember that. And how you can serve them, how you can help them. They work flat out, flat out. And they're blessed to the Lord, but they do need protection, do need prayers. One thing I should probably say uh, in relation to blessing is that, you know, when, uh, and our territory brand is, when our territory branders expand, we do have someone who doesn't like that. You know, he doesn't enjoy seeing our territories expand. Yeah, that's why you've heard the expression, new levels, new devils, haven't you? Do you know? So it's really important that we understand our weaknesses. This is why I want to share honestly and openly. Because then the enemy can't get a landing patch. Yeah? That's so important that we cover each other's backs. Yeah? Amen? So rem- excuse me, remember Andy and Heidi in your prayers. They need protection. They can't do it on their own. They're part of the body. You know? Let's stand up and say the prayer of Jabez. Yes. Amen? Yes. And then I'll hand over to Andy. So if you'd like to turn, so we, it doesn't matter what, what um, translation you've got. One, sorry? <laughs> One Chronicles 4, verses 9 to 10. And we'll just say, and my challenge is, let's all do this right. every day. Let's do it for at least a month and see what our testimonies are, yeah? Shall we do that? Andy and Heidi, is that okay? So, let's all say it aloud. Take it from me. Uh, We'll start at verse 9, okay? So, let's say it together. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Amen! Let's give praise and thanks to the Lord! Amen!